Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you're in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Building Scale. Scale. Hey listeners, it's Will here. Our mission is to help the AEC industry protect itself by making technology easy. If you've ever listened to our show, then you know that the three pillars of scaling a business are people, process, and technology. So if you suspect technology is your weak link, then book a call with us to see where we can help maximize your company's IT and cybersecurity strategy. Just go to buildingscale.net slash help. Today's guest is DJ Moore. DJ Moore is a CEO and co-owner of Siltworm Inc. and Erosion and Construction Services. Both firms specialize in erosion and sediment, sediment, sediment control and compliance with stormwater pollution prevention plans for construction sites. Joining the company in 2016, DJ has been instrumental in its rapid growth, achieving recognition in the Inc. 5000 list of best-growing private companies in the U.S. He aims to be a servant leader, focusing on the growth and well-being of his team, which I can definitely attest to, because every time I've had a conversation with DJ, he's spoken about this. Um, (laughs) But outside of the office, DJ is a family man. He's devoted to his wife and his four kids, who are all under 10 years old. And with that said, DJ, welcome to the show. Thanks. Excited to be here. Uh, we're I'm we're becoming close friends now, DJ. In addition to the know, I, and stuff, I, we've talked a bunch. We've seen each other at uh, shows. We've we're, we've we're we're becoming close, even though I've talked to you more than different... some of my some of my existing friends. So, <laughs> well, I feel honored. Uh, so, even though I'm on the other side of the world uh, or country, uh, it's it's really good to know you. So, uh, really excited about this episode. Um, so, l- lay it down for us. Tell us your origin story. Tell us how you got into construction, uh, and tell us about your companies. Yeah. So, um, man, where to start? So, uh, went to Purdue, uh, in West Lafayette and grew grew up on the East coast and went to Purdue just to, you know, get out do something different. A lot of my family's from Indiana, so it felt familiar. Um, went to school with a bunch of my cousins and didn't know what I wanted to major in other than I liked politics. Uh, not so much anymore, but majored in political science (laughs) and, uh, you know, um, my, my cousin had a construction background. So, you know, my, my goal was to build houses and he built houses. So summers I'd go help him and, um, you know, started running the the financials for the company, um, you know, nights and weekends and built everything out originally in QuickBooks um, and started attending all of the, you know, Purdue has a great building construction management program. And I would sneak into the job fair that was only for BCM majors, but I was good at getting in a back door and um, just trying to get an internship, get more experience outside of the family business and started to, uh, you know, talk to all these companies. And then as soon as they find out you're a political science major, they're like, what are you doing here, dude? Like get, get out of here. So I got a couple interviews. Um, one of them I'll never forget because it was like one of the, it was the worst interview ever. I showed up like an hour early, which is like not good. I thought I was being, you know, punctual. And uh, just didn't, <laughs> Five minutes didn't early, go well. 15 minutes early, good. An hour early, not hour so Hour <laughs> is not good. It's it's not not good. Uh, I was only 19. But um, so <laughs> I uh, graduated in 2009, which, you know, right after uh, the debacle of 2008. And believe it or not, I could not get a job. 
Wow. Um, so surprising. <laughs> so I, uh, I moved into my cousin's basement and continued to do the books, but more full time and then kind of learned from him with the home building business. And after about a year and a half of that, um, concurrently, I went to get my MBA at, uh, at Indiana University Northwest up here um, in an executive program. And after that, went to work for a uh, big logistics broker, Coyote Logistics. Um, did that for five years and just kind of got the itch again to you know do my own thing. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to live in a corporate system, um, you know, having to put in for PTO for, you know, a doctor's appointment and, or, you know, I had to ask for special permission to go on my honeymoon and that like, that just doesn't feel right to me. And I get why people have to do it, but it never felt good. And it was in Chicago. I, we had moved out, um, to, uh, Northwest Indiana. So about an hour and a half commute each way and on a good day. And, you know, my shortest commute was 45 minutes. My longest was three and a half hours. And that just kind of, that kind of weighed on me. And rather than listen to music, I said, all right, I'm going to start listening to audiobooks. And I just, I listened to every audiobook I could possibly find just to kind of get better. And that, that that's when that itch came in to kind of say, okay, this isn't, this isn't who I want to be. And I never stopped doing the books for the building business. Um, and then in the interim, my cousin, who's the visionary, um, always, always with ideas, found this product that, through home building, um, you have to have erosion control. So you, usually when people think of, if you, if you want to think erosion control, you see that black fence that's on the perimeter of a, a job site that's called silt fence. And there's an alternative for that, which is like a, it's a, it's a filter sock. So it's like a big, it's a roll. Um, and my cousin wanted to use the roll because using the fence is kind of a pain. So he found someone, um, making the roll, but not near us. And then being the visionary he is had the idea and said, Hey, I want to start doing this. And, you know, me, I'm the integrator and I'm not the idea guy. I'm the, you know, let's bring it back down to earth guy. And I said, this is stupid. Don't do this. Let's focus on building houses. Cause we already struggle with that. So let's just do that. And, um, that's why I'm still working full-time at Coyote. And you know, Joe didn't listen to me, thankfully. Um, he just kept going with it and branded a siltworm and it just kind of blew up. And then all of a sudden it became, you know, 50% of our revenue, despite, you know, my, my mis original misgiving. So I'm glad he didn't listen to me, but um, it got to the point where, you know, the, um, the revenue could support a, a full-time salary coming out. And I did take a, a pretty decent, you know, I, I was one, I was a very early employee at Coyote. Um, I had a good gig overall and I just, I still just had that itch and I took the risk and left and I was terrified, but I said, you know, what, I'm, I'm going to walk into this, you know, we were about a million at the time uh, for Saltworm. So for Saltworm slash more and more homes. And I was like, you know, this is going to be great. I'm going to be a business owner, work from home because we didn't have an office and I'm going to have all this free time and the money's just going to roll in and it's going to be great. And I came in and then started doing all my, you know, I have my MBA, I can do all this stuff. And I start doing the math and realize almost immediately that like, we're going to run out of cash in you know less than six weeks. And that's when I started to have like that come to Jesus of, man, what did I just do? I just left this pretty decent job. I had two kids under two at that point. And I'm, I went home and, you know, I told my wife and I'm like, we might have to sell our house to, to like, I either need to go back and get a job or, you know, we're going to have to make some serious life changes. And, um, at that point we just had, and that was like one thing going, going wrong. We had a lot of other stuff, normal, small business stuff that, that you, you go through. And 
you know, we had a family wedding and I went to talk to my dad and, um, and I, I basically said, Hey, this sucks. Like I I'm, I'm up early. I'm working late. I'm stressed all the time. I'm getting phone calls. People, customers won't pay us. I don't have money to pay vendors. I don't even know if I can make payroll and I don't know what to do. And, you know, I got emotional and, and I'm, I'm probably thinking like, okay, you know, this is my dad. He's going to give me a pat on the back. Everything's going to be, he's going to, it'll be okay, son. Like a little you'll, fatherly you'll advice, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted him to feel sorry for me and he didn't. And it was a slap in the face. And he said, then don't like, if you don't want to do this, go back to your, go back to coyote, go work for somebody else because you know, it, none of this might be your fault. And, and, but you can do something about it. You just can't complain. You just got to figure it out. But if you don't want to, that's fine. It's not cut. Not everyone's cut out for it. And then you shouldn't be ashamed about that. And of course I was ashamed about that. I got mad. And I, I'm my, my initial motivation. I'm really good at being motivated when I'm, when I'm mad, that doesn't always last, but it, it, it lit that fire. And I said, you know what, in spite of this, I'm going to figure this out. And that's when I, I really dove in and said, we're going to, we're going to fix this. And, you know, I got a, a life slash business coach, um, started working the problems and just not taking off more than we could chew. And, and, you know, I make it sound, it, it, it was not fun. Like I, I did not have a good time for a long time and yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably the textbook, you know, small business owner story, but um, you know, we just persevered. We, we've got the momentum, we got the flywheel moving um, adopted systems like EOS and, you know, profit first and got the right people in the right seats and um, just made sure we, we, we kept moving forward. And here I am today. And, you know, the, one of those things you learn is no matter what, there's always going to be some kind of problem. It's just, you know, the scale of your problems, and the, the, the scope of them change. And it's, it's still true. It's just a matter of how you deal with it. And do you freak out and get back into your shell and run away? Or do you just say, Oh, okay. And compartmentalize it and move on. So that's where I'm at today. Long origin story, I guess. Sorry. Well, we're glad your dad pissed you <laughs> off. We're certainly glad that that occurred. Hey, it doesn't, he still does it sometimes. So it's, it's good. And I do it to my son now, but he's only eight. So I don't know how effective it is yet. <laughs> at his, at his soccer game, you're just pissing him off to score goals. That's I no, he just not, actually not old enough to understand that yet. No, the one he, he actually, he joined young Marines, which is like a junior ROTC or yeah. like a, like a boy scout sponsor of the Marine Corps. And he was going through it and he said he wanted to quit. And I, it, we, he graduated last weekend and he joined in July and really put himself through it. And, so I think he he gets it somewhat, but you know, not so well, much. Congratulations on like for stuff. having a young Marine <laughs> grad. That's awesome. Love that. Thanks. Um, yeah. Well, he did the work <laughs> for sure. Uh, for sure. Um, well, good, good at being dadding uh, to a young Marine. I guess I did best way. So uh, building people up, taking care of your team. This is a huge focus. I, I can't not start there. Um why is that such a focus to you and and how do you how do you showcase that through the business so i really recently in the last like few months it's really come into focus where you know when you take your organizational leadership classes or your business classes and your mba and read all the books you're supposed to read the simon sinex and everyone like it's you know you should care about your people you know your people are more important the culture culture is strategy for breakfast and there's I'm more of that, you know, I think it's right. I don't know if it's right brain or left brain. I'm the, I'm the black and white numbers, statistics, uh, business plan, 
all that stuff. So that's one of those things that like I knew, but I didn't really know. Like it it was more of like a checking the box to say, well, a successful business cares about their people and has a purpose and has core values. And, you know, EOS makes you go through all that stuff. So when we originally did that, I was adopting EOS because like it was a mess. Like our, our meetings were, you know, me and my two partners getting in a room and yelling at each other for four hours and then not really deciding on anything. And we knew that needed to change. So EOS was for me, was really like the black and white side of it. And just the byproduct of that was, well, you got to come up with a purpose. You got to come up with core values. And um, I think in the beginning, I, I didn't believe it. Like I just, I put it in there and yes, I, I believed it to a point. I knew it was true, but like, I didn't know. And the analogy I used with our guys in our last day of the company, was like, you know, a stove is hot when you're looking at it because you can see the flame, but until you get burned, you don't really know it's hot. And, you know, we, we had a couple situations where, where, you know, we got burned and we thought, I, I, I thought we could build a culture by just hiring good guys and saying, okay, these guys are good. Like they're, they're, they're common sense. They're not, they're not idiots. Um, they're going to do the right thing. And, and that would build the culture by, uh, by default. And a couple of things happened that made it clear, like, okay, we were, we weren't, I wasn't being intentional with culture. And when we weren't doing it intentionally, accidents were happening and, you know, you could hire good guys and 99.5% of the time they're going to do the right thing. But that 0.05, like I, I was putting it on them to build the culture and not owning it myself and, and being intentional with it. So um, once I felt that and, you know, situations were happening that were real, then I was like, that's when I got burned. Like, that's when I felt felt that fire. And I realized this is like, now this is real. This isn't like a, 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 a you know, read it, read it in a book. And I believe it because I'm told to believe it. Like I saw, you know, I saw God, I saw like, a, like that, that I had that conversation and that's, that's what really, I feel like helped me break through to realize like, okay, you know, everybody really does matter. It's not just like a, a, a catchphrase and you really need like me ma- managing the P and L on the balance sheet is, is just is as it, it, it's more important for me to focus on the people because if I get the people part right and you know I just do the basics of everything that you're supposed to do on the financial side like it'll all come together but if you don't have the people side right the the PL is going to be a disaster and I think we saw that a lot early on with when we weren't being intentional with the culture we were just expecting people to come to work and and, and do the work and um, hoping it, it panned out right but if there's no buy-in which we didn't have a lot of um, then everything falls apart. So I've really tried to focus more on the people side and development side. And really what like going full circle, when I came back, like when I was like, in my, in, in the corporate world, it was like, if I had to put in for PTO for, you know, a, a doctor's appointment at some point in this chain, like someone does it, someone thinks that I need that, which tells me that like, I'm, I don't, I'm not a robot. And, and I try and, you know, we're very flexible with our guys and I try and just be a human. Like it's written on our whiteboard in our conference room. It's just like, we just be human. And that makes things a lot easier. So. You talked about, uh, no, that's, it's amazing. I love the, the, the self, the, the self awareness, right. That come, that comes up. And then once you get it to your point, right. You burn, you, you know, the stove's hot, but when you don't really know it's hot until you burn yourself, then you really know, like, then there's no, there's no question. I'm it's overly weird. self-aware to a fault sometimes. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, you know, so, the way, the way that I learned how something was hot, uh, 
in the older cars you had the cigarette lighter yeah and you push it in right and then yep. and then you, and then test it right so i tested yeah. it with my thumb is it really i mean it it, it it's glowing but it doesn't seem that hot and then uh, i'd really singed my thumb for like i think i had some scarring on my on my That's... thumb for a while <laughs> you remember it forever yeah uh, that, yeah, that's lessons in business, right? When you burn yourself, that's a lesson you remember. It's it's not a theory well, no, you read in a book. Those are the lessons. Like when I went back to the, the I'll never forget cal- seeing that calculation, like looking at that highlighted number of how much cash I had left. And some people, like you can get scared, run away from that and be like, well, I don't want to deal with that. Or you can say, I'm never going to let this happen again and make sure that you, you control for that. And I mean, I can't count how many of those situations that I have been, I think building that resiliency in me and building resiliency in the team, because like I can be resilient, but you know, you have to build that at each level below you, because if you're not, it, you keep growing to a certain point. If I, if I didn't build that resiliency in every level of management, then I'm dealing with every single problem there is. And that, you know, that's part of building a team, but you can't build that unless you build that trust and, you know, build that, like people have to know you care about them if you're going to, you know, put them through the ringer, if they're going to go through stuff like that for you, they need to know that you care. And and that's what I, I try and do for as many people as I can. Yeah. That's the culture, right? Uh, how do you build a resilient culture? You can't just, you be resilient. You, that has to be instilled. And obviously caring goes a whole bunch to that. I completely concur. So you mentioned core values, you mentioned uh, core focus or purpose. What is that like? What is the what is the purpose? What is the core focus that you have? So, uh, purpose for the company is honor God, provide unlimited opportunity, and impact the world. And when we did that, again, I, I told you the mindset I was kind of in when we were doing that was I was doing it because we had to, and um, we intentionally made it pretty flexible and vague. That and the idea with the EOS, whoever's not familiar with the EOS, is that your purpose is why you do what you do. And it can apply to any type of business, whether you know we're making siltworm or um, doing swip installs or making pizza or whatever it is. Like it should be able to apply. So um, I think what's perfect about it is that it means different things for different people, and you can apply it um, you know across the border. So so for me, when I came in, like I'm I'm very uh, devout in my faith, and I'm, I say devout, I'm not perfect, so don't get that impression, um, but. I really believe that God gave me a set of talents and things that make me tick and um, gifts that I could use to give back and, and help, you know, build his kingdom. So the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I, I, I feel like I'm good at certain things in the position I'm in and that's how I honor God. And, you know, that hopefully that's what I'm trying to instill in a lot of people because a lot of people don't, um, they just don't think on that, that wavelength. Um, and I'm trying to get people out of like that nine to five mindset of like, I just show up to work and punch in, punch out. Um, provide them an opportunity. Again, going so many people who go into a corporate world and you know, you're, you're a number and you're slated in and it doesn't matter, you know, how hard you work or, or how good you are at something or what like outside the box skill you have. I need you for this role, do this. I don't need any of your ideas. Just do what I'm asking you to do. And again, going back to like, I'm not a robot and I don't want anyone else to think that they're a robot. I, I tell guys every time, um, we ever say to the company or we hire someone in like, Hey, I don't care if you came in at the, on the assembly line. Like if you want to own the company one day, you can, you know, buy it, but, and you got to have the skill set. But I mean, if there's a position available or we can make one and that's not always the case. So like sometimes we, we can't, we don't have a skill for somebody, but 
then for example, we just had a guy leave because, you know, it's been his dream to be um, a welder and, you know, we don't have a lot of welding going on. So when he gets into welding school and has a job on the line, like that's the best kind of departure that I can ask for is like somebody's realized the dream and they are pursuing it versus just coming here and being like, well, I have a job. Um, so I tell guys all the time, like the only ceiling you're putting, the only ceiling that exists here is the one you put on yourself. And that sounds cliche and stupid, but like, it's, it's true because we, we have, uh, at least two guys that have worked at the company longer than I have that have grown up in their roles and are doing things that like you, you could never, like they, they probably never would have thought they were doing. And, um, it's good to have those examples now because when you're saying that early, it doesn't, it doesn't hold as much water, but now that people have examples it'd be like, Oh, well, you know, this guy started here and now he's here and I, I can tangibly see that. So he's not, he's not full of crap. Um, so that helps. Uh, to get that buy-in and then uh, impact the world, I think is the the most vague and the, and the best because uh, you know, my, my partner, Joe is heavily involved in the environmental space and um, he, he, fo- he, that that's his impact. Like our product impacts the world, our service impacts the world. And that's totally true. And Joe loves that. Joe leans into that. And he's just such a likable guy that like, it's hard to meet Joe and, I, we always joke with him that everyone he talks about says, oh, well, he's a, he's a, he's a close and personal friend. Like Joe has more close and personal friends than, than you can imagine. And it's true. It's not, it's not, it's not BS. And um, so that, that's how he can lean into that. That's how he impacts the world. For me impacting the world, I'm trying to build a company that can provide a, a, a place for somebody to work that isn't just work. Like I go back to my corporate experience, like I'm not going to make someone put in PTO to, to go to a doctor's appointment, like just go do it. And, and um, I want people to realize their, their dreams beyond, you know, what they're doing for us day to day and be able to provide opportunity for people that, that might not have, where they could be at a job where it's just stuck in their dead end. And, it, and that sucks. And that, that not only has an impact on your day to day life, your professional life, it, it, you take that home to like your wife and your kids and your kids see that. And and I don't, I, I want to build a place where people can see that, see what's happening here and say, you know, like our kids joke, like, I think my daughter, my daughter and Joe's daughter are are arguing about who's going to own Soulworm one day. And, and, you know, they're in the conference room. <laughs> That's after, awesome. Like, we, That's so we, we awesome. A, we had a company, we had a company party back in September and all the kids, like, you know, it was my kids. It was Joe's kids. It was uh, uh, the bulk of our employees' kids. We're all sitting in the conference room having, you know, fake meetings and going through all this stuff. And, and I don't know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to think that I'm having like this crazy impact on people, but if I can change, like if I can just make someone happier with their life situation and help them go after something and, and something that like, cause it's, there's, it, I don't know, it, it, it can be stupid as like, I send a weekly email to everybody just tell them what's going on. Sometimes I just talk about what I'm working on and, and why we do what we're doing and, and some people prob- probably don't care, but like I would have cared had had past people that I worked for done that. And, you know, maybe that would have made me stay longer or, 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 or devote, devote more of myself. So I'm trying to get by and, and um, you know, and, and some, I, I, I don't know that that's, that's what I think the purpose really achieves for me, but everyone else can do whatever they want, you know, impacting, like it could be as simple as like a manager with his crew and trying to, you know, make sure they have a good manager. So it's vague enough that everyone can own it. And it's not just like a, Hey, if you're going to work here, you better love the environment and you better love erosion control because that's, that's what 
we do. And that's, that's the only way you're going to find purpose here. So that's again, long-winded answer, but no, your long-winded answers make mine and Will's jobs easier. So this is great. We're loving it. (laughs) You know, uh, talking about purpose and, and EOS, did you, did you start with an implementer or did you start by implementing yourself? And I think we have a similar story that, you know, I've talked to a few EOS companies and it seems like everyone has a similar story is, um, actually, so got my, got my business coach and she, uh, you know, I'm telling her all of our stories and the issues we're having. And she's saying, have you read this book traction by Gina Wickman? And, uh, I said, I'll read anything you tell me to, if it makes my life easier. So I fired through the book in about a day and, you know, I, I get going into our Monday meetings, like you had to get like tooled up, like you were going into fight. And I, I was going in and I'm like, I got to convince them then that this book is going to save our lives and save our business. So I go in and I laid it out and said, guys, just read this. I prepared this summer. Like we just, just, just read this. And, um, cause believe it or not, like when I was uh, early on, I, I'm, I was not a very, I always thought I was right. And I was just, <laughs> just putting it on record now, but as a, <laughs> as a, as a, as a poor inexperienced leader, I was, I, I was brute force. Um, and I would just hammer you with my points with so much. I was like a prosecutor. I would hammer you with so many facts that like, you'd either agree with me because you agreed with me or you'd agree with me because you were too tired to fight back. So I, I was going into that with that sense that I wasn't winning a lot of, I, I was winning battles, but I was losing wars. And, um, you know, they read the book, they bought in, they loved it. And we said, we could do this because we went in as, you know, three co-leaders of, you know, equal leaders of the business. And, you know, I mean, there's so many successful examples of countries that have three presidents that um, it's, you know, I was making a joke that one didn't land. Sorry, but we got um, it. We, got, we can't laugh yeah. at every joke, DJ. Come on. Oh, come on. Make, make gave me confidence. <laughs> so um, we tried to self-implement long, long story short. And we're we also like guilty of that. So you're, you're totally right. Everybody, I, I, I think most people are self-implement. So. Then realize that when you don't actually do all the shit, it doesn't work as well as you'd hoped. Then so find implementer. <laughs> we we picked and chose what we liked and tossed out what we didn't, and it worked better than it was because I mean it was a pretty low bar, and uh, um, worked for a while. And then we realized like ah, this this isn't got an advertisement for uh, an, a, an implementer and free ninety minute meeting. So I said let's just try this. Like see 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 if he can help us tweak what we're already doing. And he came in and he, Justin Most out of South Bend, he pegged us so scarily accurately that like he walked out of the room and we all looked at each other and we were like, like he basically, he left it where it's like, hey, you guys are all smart guys and you guys are doing a lot of great stuff. Where you're going to fail, and I guarantee you're going to fail, is, you know, you guys are three strong horses and you all want to run in your own direction. And that's not going to work. And he didn't even say like, I can help you fix it. Like just him knowing that him being able to read that situation, we like he walked out of there and you know, it was expensive. It was, it was very expensive for where we were at financially at that time. We all looked at each other and we were like, there's no, there's no scenario where we cannot bring this guy in. Um, and he was our implementer for about a year and a half. We still bring him back on, uh, on, um, 
like consultant matters when we need it, but we were really about like, let's get it dialed in. Someone can to call us out on our BS and we will run it the way it's supposed to be run. So uh, love Justin. He, I, I, he saved our, he saved our business. He saved our relationships. He saved so much. <laughs> yeah, Justin's are generally the best. That's what I found in my life. You know, I haven't met a bad Justin. I don't think. Yeah. That's so. what I'm talking about. <laughs> So, uh, I was asking for help. Did it, did it hurt? Did it hurt ego? Did it hurt essentially pride in any way, shape or form? No, I, so ego, I think is like the biggest point of failure for anybody in anything, anywhere in your life. And I struggle with my ego every day on so many things. I love to look at other people's example and where they succeed and copy that because it makes it easier for me. I just, I just love to do that. So I don't mind asking for help. Sometimes it hurts during the process, but I continually go back to the, you know, I know it sucks now, but it'll get better. And so for me, no, it was not, it was not a, a, an issue at all. I, I, the, the, how much it cost always hurts more than, than the ego itself. So. <laughs> that, that um, makes me think. Uh, so I, I read a lot of books, listen to a lot of books and I was going through Ryan holiday books, daily stoic. And I went through stillness is the key. And uh, I went through another one and ego is ego is the enemy was the last yeah. one of the first series that I had one of my not read yet because I pushed it off thinking like, Oh, I, this is not one that oh, I need. You fell you in know? the trap, which, Man. which inherently meant that's the one you should probably read first. Like, yes. like you inherently oh, he got you so, good. Uh, oh yeah. No. So then when I, when I did, I listened to it. I was like, you know, just like shell shocked about like, Oh my God, this is like, this speaks so deep to my soul. That's... It's, it's great to be confident. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm very high confidence, but that, that, that is very dangerous place to live all the time. That's a book I've listened to at least six times. Like, yep. Every time I need that reminder, I'm still bad at it. It, it. But you're, you are trying to get better at it, which is the point. Yeah. So <laughs> I tried. So as a leader, uh, sort of pre EOS, post EOS, you wanted to win, you know, sort of every battle, throw the, throw the facts. What do you do differently now? Um, so a few of the key takeaways that I I really try. So one of the first things I remember, I forget if it was my coach or book or something, but uh, don't respond. Like I I try and I try and listen. I try and ask four times as many questions as I make statements when I'm doing stuff. So if someone I used to in our meetings, just kind of have it figured out in my head and just know, like, we don't even need to talk about this. I'll tell you what the solution is and, and we can just do it and it'll be super easy. And again, that doesn't work. So I just sit back and I listen, I let everyone else talk and I'll ask key questions along the way. And I try and make as few statements as possible. So and really, I, I try not to take a stance on, like, if, if it's not if it's not critical that I do take a stance, I let other people make the decision and or come up with the solution. Um, sometimes I'll give guidance if they ask, but sometimes I won't. Like, sometimes I'll ask, hey, what should I do in this situation? And I'll say, I don't know. What do you think? And in the beginning, it was kind of like balancing, am I being lazy? I, I need to make sure I'm communicating, like, I'm not being lazy and I don't, I don't not care. 
but I'm trying to empower other people to make decisions. EOS is always 80%. So as long as it's going 80% right, you know, I, I can let go of the wheel and say, it's not going to get done exactly the way I want it to get done. But most of those decisions, it, it doesn't really matter. So the biggest difference I'd say overall is I just, I'm trying to step back and let other people do more of that decision-making and kind of like let them deal with their mistakes. Cause I've made a ton of mistakes. And as long as the mistakes aren't like business ending or debilitating, and there's not a lot of them that would be. Um, so yeah, I try and not take a stance um, and just creating that space that really in anything, creating that margin in between when I want to react, you know, I'll still get an email and I will just want to go and respond immediately. And, you know, the, the usual uh, per my, per my previous email, um statement i i love Passive aggressive DJ, please tell me you're not doing oh. that oh i don't I, you know I, I say i don't someone probably is gonna say i do but um you know i still I, i'll still type the email but i won't send it and i'll um one book that really sticks in that i listen to at least once a year is colin powell's autobiography it it, it worked for me and he's got you know 13 rules in there and and one of them is you know it'll look better in the morning so i'm a big you know sleep on it um and another one he has is don't, don't be so close to your position that your ego goes down with it. Um, so that I, I used to get so dialed into an issue and identify with what I wanted so badly that when I lost, not only was I losing that issue that I probably would forget about in six months, I was like, I was losing mentally and emotionally and, you know, spiritually in some cases. So I stopped I stopped identifying so closely with so many of those things because it was like, it was killing me day to day. And I try and tell other people like, Hey, this is at the end of the day, this is work. Like it's my company. And I'm telling you, this is just work. Like don't get so dialed up that this is like your end all be all. Um, Cause again, you take that home and I don't want anyone to take this home. So I try and listen more than I talk, which I'm not doing right now. No, this is the time that you do talk more than you listen. I guess but I, right. I, I, I literally agree with two ears, one mouth, right? I, I actually, as you were speaking, I was like, oh, that'd be a great image. I get the headphones. I got the mic, two ears, one mouth. It yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't remember if this is EOS terminology, um, but the perspective sort of shift of right, right? Right for who or right for what? Mm -hmm. Are you right for yourself? Or right, you right for when? Or right for when, yes. Right for your company? Right for your clients? Right for your family? And uh, it was, it was, I found it very interesting that you were using two words, react and respond, and reacting is essentially that initial gut reaction, right? And no thought. Responding is more about, I've given thought, now I respond, right? Mm -hmm. um, is EOS the thing that, that uh, did that for you? Was it coaching? Was it something else? Was it all, all of the above? Um, that was more coaching and a, just a combination of all, every book that I've ever, every read that, that talked about that. Um, really it was coaching in my individual situations. Really. I mean, 
even in my marriage, like I was coming home and, and acting like, you know, work DJ at, at home with my wife. And believe it or not, that's not a, that's not a great management style to bring into your, your house. So um, learning the emotional side of it is, is really like that, that everyday experience. Cause like in my, my, um, my operations director is much more of an emotional uh, based guy too. So dealing with, not dealing with, but, but working through that, I have to take different approaches with different people. And I guess that, that was more, probably more tangible experience of interacting with people that not everyone can respond. I can't, I can't talk to everybody the same way. And I, depending on, like you said, different situations, different people, I have to approach, you know, it, it's that EQ, that, that emotional intelligence of figuring out like, okay, what's my ultimate goal? And how do I navigate this maze based on the person, based on where they're at right now, based on where we're at, where I'm at. So I think that was just hard learned experience going back to those meetings of like me being brute force and I, that wasn't working. And I just, I didn't want to do that anymore. So it sounds bad, but it was almost like selfish at first where it's like, okay, I need to get my point across. I need to do it effectively. So how do I do it? But the byproduct of that was understanding how people tick, which going back to like why political science, like I think I'm really good at reading situations and reading between the lines and, you know, reading intent and doing that. Um, And by doing that, you know, you realize you just have to create space and being quiet and, Really, what I did during during Lent last year was, you know, we we have a we have a great opportunity that we have a twenty four hour adoration chapel at our church. So like, you can go any time of day and just sit there and you know be with God. And I created that space for myself. Where in the beginning, I forced myself just to be there for an hour, and it was so hard. And I just said, I, I'm just going to stay. Like, do whatever I need to do to stay. Read a book, you know, listen to music, do whatever you need to do to to just stay here. And then after you know a couple of weeks of that. I just, I was okay sitting in silence. And that's when, you know, my perspective changed where, you know, I didn't hear a booming voice from God or anything, but I was hearing, I was hearing God in the situations that I was, that I was in because I was, I was, I was just silent and realizing the value of keeping that, just giving yourself even like an inch of margin in the day to day when it's super busy, that split second stopping has saved me from so many horrible situations like even like typing that email or going off the handle because like i could go off the handle once on on an employee and that might shut them down forever like they might never bring me an issue again or you know i react to my wife the the wrong way with something or you know my tone isn't right and that affects her and then it affects me and it affects our kids and and that clouds how she might communicate with me in the future so that's Again, I know a long answer, but hard-earned experience of screwing up over and over and over. And thankfully, I haven't done it since this morning. So, <laughs> uh, Stillness is the key. Uh, another Ryan Holiday book. Yeah. So uh, totally in line there. How how do you get the balance? You know, this is one thing I always find interesting. You're obviously wired a certain way. You can always grow and there's adjustment, but there is like the grain. Like you're just going against the grain. Like, we, like uh, if we take me and Will, like... I have extraordinarily high EQ, well, has less EQ. So it's like we balance each other. So it's great, right? So it's like when we look at the business, it's like there's a lot of balance there. How do you 
decide like how far can I stretch myself to to learn whatever it is, EQ being an example, or you know, become more aware of a thing. And then how much do you just rely on like other people, like either your cousin or somebody else that's you know part of management or leadership that like Hey, like, I know that this is a thing that like, you're inherently going to be better at than me. So I'm going to give you more of the reign there because like, it, it's just more in line with who you are, like how you're built. Like, it's just, it's just yeah. one of those things. How, how do you balance that decision-making? So with me personally, when it comes like from the day-to-day running of the business, Joe's much more customer focused and brand focused. So he's out at a lot of conferences and talking to, talking to customers in, in, in that, um, in a more of a sales role with totally. internal and speaking of that. When I met Joe, the first time that I oh. met him, I spoke to him for like over an hour, just me and yeah. him. So, so like that is a thousand percent is who he is. I, I think the, the best part of that conference was the fact that we had four salespeople there and I didn't see any of them the whole time because they were out talking, which is exactly what that's beautiful. Yeah, that's we, wonderful. We needed. So, uh, but for me personally, for the internal stuff, um, I'm much more of an introvert, just kind of in that that mindset of you know being the entrepreneur and like doing whatever you have to do to make it work. I can do anything for a while, and I don't always do it well. And like sales, like I hate sales, but I can be pretty good at sales for a while. Um, I don't like going to big parties where I don't or a, a networking event. I hate networking. I hate going to that stuff where I don't know a lot of people. It's emotionally dra- and just mentally draining for me. I can do it. I can do it really well for a while, but it's more of like a fake it till you make it. <laughs> and I don't, it's not fake. I can do it. I just can't do it for a long time. Um, it's against the so grain. It, like you're going against the grain. Yeah. So you're, you're, learning, so it, you're learning the skill component, but like it's so, it's so difficult because it, 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 it affects you internal. Like it's, it's yeah. doing a task on the outside does not mean that that fills the cup on the inside. And if you drain the cup on the inside, it, it's all, so it creates lots of other problems. So I really, I try and focus where my energy goes and I pour really, really heavily into my direct reports. So like my director of operations, like I poured very heavily into him and in, in our relationship, um, our field super, our warehouse manager, like, and, and those are all like at different varying levels and how they respond to things. But I tried, I try to do that. And because that, that's where I have my, my most effect. And to an extent, like I'll do it with the guys too. And I just, I just can't do it with every single guy when we have, you know, 40 plus employees, um, you know, out everywhere all the time. And that's hard for me. So what I, by pouring into those guys, the guys that, the, my direct reports that I can do that with. I'm hoping that carries over. Cause like Mike, my, my director of operations is like, he's awesome at that. Like his, his previous role was like a, a director of evangelization at a, at a church. So like he loves bringing people in. So I, that's that line is like, okay, I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to pour out to the guys where I can, but I really need you to pour to like everybody else. And like, cause that's your, that's your strength and making sure that the, cause like I can have an impact on, you know, the line level employees to a, to an extent, but you know, I, I can't help them with everything they do because sometimes like I'm not involved with it. So I'll have to delegate it to somebody else because I just don't know. Um, so that's, that's the line I really draw on that side because I, um, getting buy-in from those employees is, is so critical because I say all the time, like they do most of the the work, like without them, it, it, it doesn't get done. And 
I need them thinking as much like me as possible to ensure that they're, they're, they're doing that. And that's why like sending the weekly letters, like I just try and get them in my head so they can see how I think about things and they can decide like, if they think like that, great. Like it, even better, like hopefully they'll lean into it and they'll, they'll, they'll keep getting better. If they don't, or they don't care. That's, that's fine too. It's not going to hit with everybody, but I think the ones who care and the ones who dive in deeper to that and lean into that are going to be the ones that we want to build around. And, and naturally that, that should happen. So um, yeah, I just, uh, I do have to draw those lines because, you know, like, like we just talked about before this call, like I'm getting into my session where my season where, you know, the, the it's season, it's getting colder, construction slowing down a little bit. So this is my time where, you know, the business itself slows down a little bit, but I'm getting into end of year planning and planning for the beginning of next year and making sure everything's right. And then it goes right into tax season. And I'm, I'm, I don't have a lot to spread from now through tax season, plus like the holidays. So um, that's where I try and be out there more you know, throughout other parts of the year. But I, uh, I'm definitely very conscious of how much I have to give between, you know, home work, you know, told you don't talk to my friends very often. Cause so like that, that's, yeah, that's one area of my life that like, I wish I was better at. Like I just, I have so many people that I don't talk to as much as I want to. And that sucks because, you know, people that mean so much to you at a certain point in your life. And then all of a sudden like life gets in the way and it sucks. And it's not because I don't like them or it's not, it's just because like, I only have so much and I'm, I'm a lazy guy at the end of the day because I'm trying to get everyone else to, you know, <laughs> run around and do what they need to do to make sure that the wheel keeps moving. So, well, I don't think you're a lazy guy. Uh, so because you did a lot of preparation and I think this is a great transition here. Um, you did a lot of preparation for 2022 for growth, right? Do you want to talk a little bit about that? And uh, for, essentially for your preparation for growth for 2023 and um, what happened? Yes. Yeah, so um, when we grew the company, we've always like bootstrapped it. So like we didn't, we just grew it with whatever we had. And one of the, one of the things we say all the time is like, we want to grow, we want to grow as fast as we can grow well. Um, because we've had seasons where, you know, we've tried to grow too fast and you don't get the right people in the right seats or you're forcing people into seats and it, it doesn't work. And um, thankfully we've made those at the right pace that like we can kind of grow and get uncomfortable and be like, oh, okay, we need to readjust. And I mean, just like any company that goes through that. So this last year, you know, growing to the, to the bigger revenue numbers, you start saying like, okay, this needs a little, like it needs a little more in depth, like we need to break, like anything, like you need to break into that next level of detail to, to drill down. So um, really having that foresight, like we talk about, like I joined a Vistage group. I'm trying to network more and get myself out there to talk to other businesses. Because I said, like, I, I want to learn from other people how they do it. So I, I don't make mistakes. I can avoid the mistakes and and do it the right way or the, the best way with the best info we have. So um, that's really 2022 was really that year for me where I said, I need to start like leveling up my game because I can only learn so much from myself and, um, and books and get myself out there with other people. So getting, you know, systems upgraded, um, ensuring we have a good pipeline of people internally to say like, Hey, when we grow, like we know we're going to put this guy in this next step, getting people into, you know, leadership training stuff, 
investing more in those people, the culture. Like I know that if, if we didn't have a, a solid culture getting growing into that, like it's just going to erode. And that that's my biggest fear of things is you grow. Like is that line level guy is every single one of your line level guys just as bought in as they need to be to, to get there. Or is it going to start, you know, falling off the, falling off the rails. So um, that was really 2022 you know, 23, I, I can't count how many times people are, you know, saying, you know, unprecedented times or, or interest. Yes. You ask anyone about like how the economy is going to go and, you know, you have every possible answer. Um, and for us, I mean, we try and focus on the things we can control. And when you do that, you know, you, you make the decision, make the best decision you can with the info you have. Um, I think it was, I think it was Rumsfeld who, who said like, you just need to know your, your known knowns, your uh, known unknowns and your unknowns unknowns. And the, and, and that's what I try to do. Like just trying to make sure we, we understand all the facts on the ground. Like, you, like we know what we know, we know what we don't know and do everything you possibly can to try and find that, find that out and get that Intel so you can make better decisions. And then, trying to anticipate like, okay, what do we not know that we don't know? And those are the scariest ones where you run into things. So stuff like the economy, like anything could happen, but we try, um, you know, not to over leverage ourselves. Um, actually this past, uh, state of the company, we have our guys like logistics world. I'm still, you know, heavily ingrained. I know a lot of people in the world and, um, convoy logistics is a company that just up and closed their doors and sent, all their employees an email on a Friday that said, this is your last day here. And I have friends who work there, you know, to, to the gamut of one of the guys who was one of my first managers at Coyote and one of my first direct, one of the, one of the first people who ever reported to me as a manager. I learned a lot of lessons managing her and, you know, they, they both worked there and then all of a sudden they're out of jobs. And I don't, you know, I don't, I did, I saw all kinds of articles and stuff. I, don't, I didn't get too deep into it, but there's different ways you can run the, run your business and, you know, you can, you can depend on growth and grow, 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 and over leverage yourself with, with debt. And as long as you keep growing, that's fine. And this is what I told our guys. So I try and give them a sense of comfort of like, cause they, I mean, they probably hear it on the news, inflation, all this bad stuff. And I don't want them to worry about that stuff as much. So I just try and say, Hey, here's where we're at with it. You know, we're not one of these companies that is going to go out of business and you're going to get an email or we're just going to, you're going to show up and we're just not going to be here anymore. You know, granted outside of like a catastrophic event or whatever. Um, Basically, we're not going to go out of business overnight because of decisions that we make. Um, and then on the other side of it is, you know, we're also not going to sit here and not grow quickly. Like we need to grow as fast as we can possibly grow well to ensure that we we maintain our our market and we don't we don't lose out on opportunities. So um, really, I tell our guys like we need to make that level of investment to push ourselves outside of that comfort level to say we need to keep doing this so we can you know keep what's ours but we're also not going to do it so much so that we're going to, that you're going to show up here and not have a job anymore. So um, I don't know how much that answers your question, but you know, 2022, 2023 has been a prep year economy. I don't really know what's going to happen, but I know that it's, I can't control it. And I know that we're in a position enough that either way, if we're going to see, you know, crazy growth across the country, we're positioned for that. And if we see a you know, massive decline, uh, we're positioned for that too. So um, either way, I'd like to think that um, I won't have to send an email to my employees saying, thank you for your service, but you're no longer needed. So. Yeah. I mean, obviously hitting Inc 5,000 list, uh, fastest growing companies, you're obviously doing something right. Uh, you know, like being an honoree. So uh, 
you know, being recognized. <laughs> so, you know, that, that, that means preparation that is done in 22 uh, certainly has been effective to, to whatever degree that you uh, determine that is, but um, you know, numbers don't lie. Um, one thing I want to hit before we get to our final question is uh, you guys just developed uh, something new bioworm uh talk to us about that Let, let's let's talk yeah so um basically uh i know we haven't really talked about the business itself that much but um we have though the amount of, uh, the, <laughs> we, amount well, of insight... the products and service specifically see yeah. that, that's yeah. where my passion is so um on the siltworm side so siltworm i kind of talked about it, it's a it's a rolled uh sediment control device so basically what it does is when um it's it's a mesh netting and there's a there's a filter uh, media inside and when you're on a construction site mud obviously when it rains dirty water's flowing through that the idea is the sediment log will the siltworm will capture um up to 97 percent of that sediment that's in there because if you look at the stats the biggest water pollutant in the world is actually sediment and 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 dirt runoff so um when you see like that local pond that looks like chocolate milk that's when that's when you have a poor uh, sediment filtration uh, program within your your city limits there. So, what our product does is basically make sure that the water comes out clean on the other side before it goes into the storm sewer, um, storm water pollution protection. So, um, with the product, the the, the mesh itself is uh, typically a poly base, so polyester, poly polypropylene, um, and you know with a silt fence that's all trash. You're picking it. You're, you you gotta, you gotta pull it out. You gotta throw it in the dumpster. The nice part about saltworm is you can just cut it open and shake out the film material and it'll, um, it'll just become part of the, the natural grade. You still have the, the poly problem, um, that it's still mesh. So the mesh still has to go in the dumpster. So yes, it cuts down drastically on, uh, what's going in the dumpster. Um, but at the same time, you know, it could be better and having an option that fully dissolves, is is out there but it's 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 cost preventative in a lot of scenarios so a lot of people say oh that's nice but you know i i can't afford it so i'm not going to do it um so the product we just launched uh is still a poly based product but um it will fully dissolve um we're still testing after how long but it's, it's looking like about a year so and everything depends on you know every environmental factor so sunlight or usage or, or flow or, or whatever but this will fully dissolve to where you don't have to throw out the mesh. So basically you're just going to be left with a, with a product that leaves nothing but the film material and you don't have to worry about it after that. So, um, and we got to a, a price point that we think is, is going to be competitive for a lot of people. So we're excited about it. Um, we've been, we started marketing at Chicago build. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things that, you know, we can further impact the world. We don't have uh and we, what we love, you know, our logo is like a, a it's a little recycling logo because what we do with the film, even the film material, the film, the, the, um, the media, the filter media is actually construction waste. So um, dumpsters from construction sites typically will just go into a landfill rather than those going to a landfill. We're taking it, we're uh, sorting it and it's uh, it's ground to a specific uh, specification Um to filter out what we need and goes back to the construction site and, you know, serves again. So we love it. And it's a full circle now where, you know, all this stuff was going to landfill and now it's not, it doesn't have to. So again, impact the world, 
it's uh it's a beautiful thing again jake Joe will talk about that all day, but I'll keep, give you the clip. Keep notes. true to your uh, core purpose there, uh, and obviously, Joe, uh, I, I can I can only see how this was rolling through his brain, and like we need to do this, we need to do this. Well, we do well, this. I, I this is where I will I'll toot my own horn that Ooh. I'm not the I'm not the I'm not the visionary, but one of those areas when I'm like I'm trying to like you 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 say like how much do you stretch like one of those areas like I don't I don't stretch on new ideas I'm trying to like focus on what. What we do, and I know, like Joe's been, Joe has been touting this. We need a bio option. We need a bio option for for years. And I got, so I'm always, so my, when me and Joe, our relationship is, he comes with the ideas. I figure out a way to make the ideas come true. So this one, I knew he's had in his head, and um, we got this one up and rolling, really without him even knowing about it. To the point where you know him and I have our our monthly sit down, and he said, "Man, we got to do something with this. That could be huge." And I was like, "We're launching it next week, man. What do you like? We're 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 doing this." I was gonna, I was like, I was actually going to tell you about this today, but I didn't want to. I, I don't like to go to him with half baked ideas because then I just can just create problems for myself sometimes. So oh, yeah. um, I get all my stuff, I get all my ducks in a row, and then I say, "This is what I want to do." So I I was pretty impressed with myself, and I think he was too. You could I don't know you probably ask him, but. Um, we got one of his visionary ideas up and running, um, without him having to, you know, throw that grenade over the wall and, and be bugging me about it all the time. So I think that's, that's where Joe and I work really well together is, you know, he's always has those ideas and I'm always thinking about how can I make, how can I make those dreams come true? Um, reasonably. I'm <laughs> so, making our dreams come true. Yeah. <laughs> so for those of you that are listening, He's got like the biggest shit eating grin right now on like talking about this. It's amazing. So it's never, I say, it cause it's never happened. It's literally never happened ever. So I have to give myself credit because I'm always seen as the non-idea guy. And Celebrate the wins, I, man. I was, Celebrate to, the wins. I was able to win on this one. So, so on that note, we gotta, we gotta get you our last question. Oh man. If you could Still go back. I'm scared. Yep. If you could go back in time, 20 years, what would you have told yourself? 20? What would you tell yourself? 20. That would be so like I 2003. Would... When this episode gets released, it may be 2004 or right at the end so of 2003. So think about it. I'd, like, I'd be like 16 or 17 at that time. Man. I don't know. I, so I, I, uh, I had an interview with um, our church podcast this earlier this week, and he asked me the same question. Not Maybe if you could go back 10 years, what would you do? And I... I didn't know what to say. I'm going to say, I don't think I would say anything because I, the reason I'm in the position I'm in and the life I have is because I didn't, I didn't have any assumptions or expectations. And so much of what has built to what I am now is going through those experiences. And I feel like if I would have told myself at the time, anything i would probably try my hardest to avoid because avoid the pain or because like i said like i like to learn from other people and avoid the pain and i don't think that's in the best interest because our biggest breakthroughs have been from horrible times and i mean i feel like anybody if you could avoid a horrible situation you would and you know i'm a big you know back to the future is my favorite movie and it's let me and my son always watching you know if anyone's a back to the future fan you know like I mean, when we're filming, I mean, I think this is the day that, you know, Marty went back to 1985 from uh, 1955, but, you know, 
doc is big on you can't know like you can't know what's going what's going to happen because it, it'll change so i know it sounds maybe a little too uh philosophical but i would just say you got to deal with it and trust god and it'll be okay all right. No, I, I love the answer. I love the, I love the answer. Future yeah. fear. That's, that's, I'm all about it. You don't want to disappear. I'm not interested in not existing. So like I know. That. And that's, <laughs> I, made my, my, I made my kids watch it in commemoration of Doc inventing the flux capacitor. And my daughters weren't into it, but me and my son were. So <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, great. We're going to throw all of your social and all that stuff in the show notes. But if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that, DJ? Probably LinkedIn. I, I would say my LinkedIn that I uh, posted in there. So, or, you know, saltworm.com is the business. So awesome. 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 Uh, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, me and Will, uh, I don't, I, we had a blast. Thank you for your time today, DJ. Uh, do you have any last parting words for the, the listeners? Ah, uh, man, don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> that's love all it. I got. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. All right, listeners. Uh, like I said, we had a blast. I hope you did too. Uh, make sure you like, shallow, uh, like, share, and follow us. Uh, and until next time, adios. Adios. Thanks for listening to Building Scale. To help us reach even more people, please share this episode with a friend, colleague, or on social media. Remember, the three pillars of scaling a business are people, process, and technology. And our mission is to help the AEC industry protect itself by making technology easy. So if you think your company's technology pillar could use some improvement, book a call with us to see how we can help maximize your IT and cybersecurity strategy. Just go to buildingscale.net slash help. And until next time, keep, keep building, building scale. scale.